This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined today by Dave Murphy, my good mate, and Blaine Humble's my good mate as well. I can classify you both as good mates now. Um, if you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to like and subscribe and um, give us a review on the platform you're listening on. Um, let's go around the table so we can introduce our voices, people can get familiar with them. Dave, I'm sure the listeners are familiar. Um, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Not too bad. Got a... Got a um Good week and a half here in, in sunny Manchester for a lot of it. And, uh, yeah, got a good few United games in and a few beers. It's been a good time. L- loose and fast with your um, definition of sunny. Uh, well, it wasn't raining there. I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> for, for, all of, for, for all three days. days. <laughs> for three days. On and off. <laughs> and Blaine, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having uh, me on today. I appreciate it. I've, I've been contractually obliged to say formally of football matters we're going to talk a little bit about you and introduce you to the listeners later but tell us um, tell the listeners what football matters uh well football matters was uh years ago um a, a weekly uh podcast show that we did um regularly um for about five years and um i've since retired and moved on from that uh part of my life but uh i'm still a, a huge united fan and, and stick around and um but uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, you know podcasting has evolved so much, so much, so fast, so quickly over the past eight, ten years. Um, um, I was around you know at the beginning, so it was fun. Yeah. It, was a, it was it was a good time. And we bandwagon <laughs> midway through. So oh, podcasting is fun. Well, <laughs> that, that was the thing. That's that's how I met Blaine because I, I used to listen to it, the Football yeah. Matters podcast and. And then I said, you know, well, let's steal that idea and, and bring it to, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think there was any stealing going on. I don't think there's any stealing going on. I do, I do need to uh, make very clear, though, that, uh, you know, we were featured on MUTV, um, you know, so for the, for the United fans, you know, it's not just a, not just a joke. No, it, it wasn't was, just a bunch of yanks yanking it and it was... No, I, I was a guest on there at one point or two points and brought the class down of it. So. I think that was the second last show. Yeah. Yeah. We, but they had no plans to that, that that was going to be the second last show and then the last show came with the complaints and then that was it. Yeah, okay, let's start talking about Real Sociedad. Um, we won, Dave. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, it doesn't exactly feel like a normal win. We won 1-0. We haven't qualified from the group um on an automatic basis, we're going to this playoff. Um, 
we're going to talk about the changes in a little bit, but we did win the game and we won 1-0, another clean sheet. You know, we controlled the game for at least an hour. I know we'll get into the reasons for why that wasn't the case for the last half an hour. Um, but still, it does feel a bit flat after after that because it felt like destiny was in our control for a little bit. Um, it, it's a good sign in a way that this is how far we've come under Tenog that we're disappointed with not... I mean, it's the Europa League, but to be disappointed after winning is um, a fairly decent position to be in for once. Yeah, no, I mean... It... I mean, the only plus that really came out of it was to keep the momentum going, especially with the World Cup coming up. Um, another win away from home. Ten Hag has a very, very good away record, whereas we United with Ajax. Um, but we, we lost this group on a poor decision, poor penalty. Um, and we, you know, we we paid the cost for it. Um, we, we couldn't have done anything else. We won, you know, all five games after that. Um, it, it's just one of those things that, you know, it, even though it was a win... It, it felt it felt like a loss. It was you know I've never 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 been more upset to lose a game recently, um, or to win a game as we did the other night uh, because we know we needed a two nil um, going into the game and we did control it. It was I I think I think the frustration comes from the fact that and I'm sure we're going to talk about this later with the with the tactics and the substitution. I think that's what because up until the 60th minute I was still fairly confident, very happy. I thought we were going to nick another goal. And then that last thirty minutes was just—it was just. I think that just contributed the whole way that we feel about the game. So yeah, how, how do you feel? I mean, it, Blaine, we're talking like glass off empty, glass off full. You, you know, I've I, I've I had the 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 luxury of a night's sleep and woke up and thought about it again because, of course, you know when we when we when you walked away from the game from the match yesterday, you were you were upset. You're upset. Yet we won. Won the match. Played relatively well for most of the match. And you know, an away game in Spain, in in Europe, and you you won. What what's what's there to complain about? Of course, there's you know the the uh, match day one um, implications that that you can look at. And, um, you know, using a, a, a UFC reference, um, you know, we, we left it to the judges, and you know we didn't take care of business, and that's that's unfortunate. But the fact does remain that we we, we won the match, and I think that. In the post, Alex Ferguson, like to, for for me as a fan, as an American fan, um, uh, my United fandom pretty much started around when Alex Ferguson uh, became the manager. That's when I was made aware of United and became a fan. Um, and so everything to me is 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 Alex Ferguson's time or post post mm-hmm. Alex. And, and to to think that with all the turmoil and the uh, upheaval at United. Uh, since Sir Alex left to to be in a position where we lost a European match in Spain and we're upset. Um, I mean, we didn't lose it. Yeah, 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 still, it we didn't lose yeah, the game. Like, we yeah. won the game, and, and I think we're 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 it's it makes us as 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 relevant as we um, have been in in the post Sir Alex time frame. Even with some of Jose's wins and you know triumphs, it's still a, I feel like. A sleeping giant has been awoken. I mean, you're. This is that was. It was a pretty. It was a pretty strong. A pretty strong performance in the group, yeah. but we left it to the judges, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's a funny one because it's not just that result in isolation. We're talking about a, a pattern emerging, um, and the pattern that's been emerging under Tenog is that we've got a settled team. Yeah. Even when it's not a settled team, and he makes a change, he's made that change for a bold reason. 
and you even if you haven't agreed with the change at the time you've said oh I know why he's done it and it's it's usually come with some kind of positive consequence I wrote something for the website um, that people can click on I'm sure that um, they'll be able to navigate through to that um, not criticising the intelligence of our listeners by the way <laughs> I'll put a link in the description <laughs> and you can find it that way so but what I'm saying is that uh, we every Every decision that is made, even the the ones that were wrong from the start, so let's say Brighton and Brentford, <coughs> he made difficult selections and you said, oh, what's he doing? And then he, he changed it half time and there were improvements. In every single um, instance where he's made a change in the middle of a game, it's generally been an improvement. But let's say 9.5 times out of 10, that's been the case. For the first time, Dave, against Sociedad, it, it felt like we were questioning what we were seeing. 58 minutes goes... He's on the clock, 58, not even an hour, and he brings on Scott McTominay for Lindelof. Now, Lind- Lindelof has been under the weather, but he's brought... It was a tactical change. That's a tactical change, yeah. He's not brought him on because he's... He's not brought him off because he's under the weather. McTominay goes into midfield. We play three at the back. Instantly, they're trying to find spaces and they're having joy. So everything that's wrong with that formation is immediately picked apart from a decent Sociedad side. Um, so then... You know, they were brave enough to go for it and we were unsettled. So everything that Tenag was looking for with the gamble had immediately backfired. And then I know we were just looking at the stats before we got on air and we were sort of looking at where the Maguire change came into it. So I think we both think that Maguire came on a lot earlier than oh, we yeah, did. Yeah, I actually thought it was a lot earlier. Yeah. But yeah, so where do you stand on this? Because I mean, we, we've talked about it. We've had, between us, we've had three or four conversations since uh, trying to make sense of it. And we still can't. And you, you come down on the, um, in the sort of analysis of it, and you think, all right, well, he's earned the right to make a gamble. And if he didn't come off, well, managers have made gambles in the past. Um, yeah. It just... It, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's a good thing. And I know Blaine's going to come on. It's probably going to be one of the first things that you say that in the post-Ferguson era, we haven't seen managers take gambles or they've not been even forthcoming with substitutions. So at least he did that. It just, for me, feels like that. I, I get, I like the gamble. I like the idea of taking a gamble. I just think if it's that early, it's almost representative of the manager's personality. And he doesn't look like a manager who panics. So I'm not going to be too hasty in saying that. I just feel like it was much too early to take that. Um. I I totally agree, and, and yeah, I, I maybe because you know, uh, McGuire was on the pitch for which which turned out to be like ten minutes, fourteen minutes, including whatever stoppage time. But I thought he was on for a lot longer. But the change he made with McTominay instantly gave them they could smell blood. Then you know it it they were absolutely ten men behind the ball up until that point. Uh, when we went to three at the back, it was confusing, especially 50, like you said, less than an hour in. It's it's kind of, if we if we were nil-nil, I could maybe understand he's going to try and change the whole way we play. Mm. But we were still we were still getting up the pitch. We were still creating somewhat chances. There was a lot of pressure on them. They didn't seem to want to come forward until we made that change. And that change actually had a bigger positive effect on them than it did on us. And I just felt that, you know, with the Harry Maguire thing, I, I get it. I, I understand why he brought him on, okay? Um, because we just, he wanted something different in the box. I get it. Um, I just I just don't understand the McTominay thing. I really don't. I don't understand that at all. I don't understand why he changed our shape. Because all it did was, was give them... 
the opportunity to come at us and they were finding space and they were attacking us and they you know they could have, they could have scored a few times at that point. Um, I, I I do believe the next day he did come out and he, he put his hands up and said you know I got it wrong and I'm learning and each game is going to come with a different thing. Um, so my only you know my only hope is that he has learned from that. Like he did when we when we played Brentford and Brighton, you know he learned valuable lessons along that way. I don't want to bash Ten Hag at all. I think he's been absolutely phenomenal for this club. Um, he's given us, you know, he's he's given us players that we have a connection with now, yeah. which we haven't had in a long time. And I do believe he knows himself that he got it wrong. It was it was a very baffling substitution on fifty eight minutes. It's a funny one, Blimby. He is like he has come out and put his hands up, and we've had like we've discussed it at length trying to sort of make sense of it between the three of us we've been having that conversation since Thursday night but it is like you said I think the notable thing which is reassuring for anyone who's a United fan who will be listening to this and who isn't listening to it is that um, that it is the first time we've really questioned it and we're two or three months in whereas Van Gaal you questioned his first team selection. Yeah. <laughs> like, why is he playing a three at the back? Yeah. And then you change, like, you change it at half time and you're like, what are you doing? And then you question him every, and what I'm saying is, like, you had Mourinho, I think Mourinho, was it City at home? The first game with City, um, which was maybe September, and it was the first game against Guardiola, and it changed the entire system, yeah. and it was pragmatic at home. And Solskjaer, you've kind of looked at the systems he's um, picked, and yeah, great luck with him before he was appointed permanent manager but he was still questioning what he was doing and yeah. nobody was really sure about how tactically aware he was and it's taken to a three month assembling for us to really look at Tenag and go oh, what have you done that for and I mean Fergie made some ta- strange tactical ones bizarre yeah, no you, you know there's um, you know the, the people that uh, dig into the archives and pull stuff out that you've, you've even forgotten. You know, I mean, you know, we, we set up against Arsenal one time with, with seven defenders in the lineup. You, know, <laughs> you had Fabio and, and uh, yeah, the Silva twins on the um, outside midfielders. You know, I mean, so you, you think about some of the some of the things that have happened in the past, and you know, it's really the initial setup is um, really not all that shocking to me sometimes because they do have they have they have multiple days sometimes an entire week to prepare. So you're you're watching your game film, you're understanding what the other team. Is potentially going to do, and you and you do your setup. Where where and I, I can live with most of those. I can I can understand and be like, well, listen, I don't have the benefit of being you know at Carrington and, and understanding in those conversations, and I don't know that I don't know the fitness and the mental you know awareness and and medical uh, you know determinations of any of the players. Um, so you you don't without knowing those things, how can you really how can you really um, judge some of the decisions that are that are made? Uh, this one, unfortunately, you know, with, uh, with with McTominay coming on, I think we did talk about this over. I think what the game probably needed for ten or fifteen minutes was just the Rashford change and let that let that start to build in and then start to go a little bit more desperate. Um, but I don't want to second guess Ten Hag because I, I am I, I do back him, I do rate him, I do think that he is doing a fantastic job in an, in an otherwise thankless position. That uh, I mean, look at <laughs> United Twitter and United fans. We 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 are we are a really peculiar lot. Let me tell you, it's it's it, it can be very I'm ex- strange. I'm excluding us from the week. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what present, you're talking about. Present company excluded. Yeah. Um, but but I just and, and the thing that I mentioned to you, you know, you know, you talked about analysis, and I think that that sometimes um, previous managers had the analysis paralysis, and I can't tell you how many times, as much as I loved and backed Ole, I would sit there and, and he would just. He just had this wide open, like blinkless gub of stare 
just and he would never make a change. And we would finish a we would finish a match dead tired with two fresh subs that were never used. And that happened that happened numerous times with Moyes and with with uh, with Van Hall and 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 you 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 I sit back and I go well I, I was I was really angry and upset at those times when when they didn't use the changes I I, I, I can't I, I gotta be a little bit a little bit understanding that at least he was trying to do something and and he got it wrong he admitted he got it wrong but but I think he learned something about his side let let me just quickly jump in for that one because. We're all talking, everyone, everyone, not just us on here, everyone's talking about the gambles that he made with the substitutes. He made two gambles in the starting lineup. One worked and one didn't. So while we're criticising, I mean, we can criticise Van der Beek again, and I don't think that's necessarily fair. Let's congratulate him and praise him for what he did with Garnacho, because that's a big call to play him. He could have easily put Sancho in, or Alanga. He would have been tempted to do that after... Alanga played at the weekend, but he said, no, Garnacho's going to play, and he rewarded him with the goal, and generally played pretty well, so um, Blaine, I'll come to you first with Garnacho. Um, with, while we're criticising the decisions and the boldness that he's made with some of them, that was one that definitely came off. Yeah, let's not forget that, again, we won We won an away yeah. match in, in Europe, in Spain, we won, so let's remember that. And yes, you know, and, and one of the things that, you know, during... And I don't want to harken back. It was it was kind of a joke. I, I kind of dropped it on you last second before we started. Like you need to remember, you know, mention that I was on football matters. Um, excuse me. Um, but one of the things that I loved so much about about Sarah Ferguson, and I think many many fans can can relate, is that he was not afraid to play a, play a youngster. He was not afraid to play somebody from the academy. He was not afraid to take a veteran and say. Sorry, get out of here and put a kid in and let the kid play. And we've all heard, you know, you can't win with kids. Well, apparently you can. And I think that, you know, when we saw Garnacho play um, against Sheriff, you you saw a – it was Sheriff, right? That he, yeah. He, yeah, he started against Sheriff. You saw, you, you saw a, a boy that had become a man because we've seen, we've seen video of him in, in the academy teams. And I've, and I've heard many people talk about, you know, oh, he's – He's, um, you know, he's he's got this promise and everything. But all I had ever seen up until that point was a, a boy. I saw a boy, but in, against Sheriff, I saw a young man starting to starting to blossom. And you, and then when you saw him line up um, at Sociedad, you looked and went, "Well, he looks a proper footballer. Look, mm-hmm. you know, this is and and this is what you need to see. And nothing will help him in his career more." Than those successes at an early age and the remembrances and, and standing there on the sidelines, you know, hugging Ronaldo, saying, "Hey, man, can I use your can I use your your chips ordering, uh, you know, um, stay, you know, uh, celebration?" Um, that was fantastic, and you know that there's a bonding now that's happening with those players. And here's a here's an academy player that, you know, for the most part, as far as I'm concerned, he's he's a first teamer now. He, I mean, he's not quite there yet. But you know he's, he's, in the he's squad. ready to go. Yeah. He's in the squad, and and I think that 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 it's it's good to see, and and he deserves the hard work. It's it's my one criticism of the post Sir Alex Ferguson era is that we don't we don't let our we don't let our academy players we don't let our we don't let our kids come up and get a, get a sniff. They'll put them in the squad. They're on the bench, but maybe they get a five minute run out at the end. But that doesn't do anything. Yeah, that doesn't develop you. It's it's an interesting one, Dave, because um, the natural comparison, especially because we're talking about life post uh, Sir Alex, is Yanazai and now he was thrown into it and 
almost burned out in the first half of the season by David Moyes, whereas Tenag has seen this prospect. He played in pre-season, really good against um, Valcano. Um, was it Valcano? Rayo Val- Valcano in one of the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember if it was them, but he, he came on, he played, or he started the game, he played really well. Yeah. And he's played with that kind of tenacity when he's been in the first team for real. Um, it seems like, from what Bruno Fernandes was saying, that there's been some kind of you know disciplinary issue behind Clozo's. I mean, not a formal, but to do with his behaviour, he needed to sort of be taken down a peg or two. And maybe you can see that in like the he's he's obviously very very confident, and that's been a very positive trait when he's been in the side. So um, for that to be organised internally and and done out of the glare of the public eye, by the way, because that if that had been mentioned two months ago, especially considering all the other disciplinary matters that United have got with youngsters that we don't have to mention, um, they could, that would have been a mountain made out of a molehill with him. So for the club to have handled him in the right way and for him to come on and and make such an impact in the last two European games is um, credit to Tenag again. Yeah, and I, and I think it's I think a credit goes to a lot of the first team players because I, I have heard or you know I have read and heard a lot of things about his his issues behind the scenes where he where he uh, he automatically assumed he had made it before he'd even played a first team game. Um, and that that may bode well for us because he seems to be he seems to pull back on that now in in a humbling way, um, and and asking you know even though it was a joke asking Ronaldo can he can he do a signature uh, celebration that to me told told me a lot about it's his temperament. Called, now. It's called the ordering chips. It's called the ordering chips, Dave. He was praying. He's, um, no, you're ordering chips. You're deciding. You're looking at the menu. <laughs> so he, um, I, I think that tells a lot about his actual temperament now and the way he yeah. thinks that that he he hasn't made it. You know, and and yeah. unfortunately, we've had many players down the years. You, you mentioned Janazai and. You know, we've had we've had other players down the years that just they think that you know, okay, I'm traveling with the first team today. I'm a Manchester United player now. Even Alanga's been. I mean, Alanga's questionable at the moment. I mean, his his against Sheriff, he was. It, it just looked like he didn't want to play. It just looked. It wasn't against Sheriff. It was against West, West Ham. West Ham. Yeah. West Ham. It, it, he found it. I mean, I was talking yeah. to Blaine. We were watching the match, and you know, it, it, you know, obviously seeing it on TV. We, we, you know, what's being there? You just, you just, you see everything when the balls, yeah, yeah, yeah. the cameras waving the ball, and he just didn't look. He looked like he didn't care. Yeah. And it, there was no tracking back. There was no going to fall. I'm just hoping that he doesn't, it, you know, he doesn't fall into that trap that many, many of those young footballers do. They're given too much too quick. Um, but with Garnacho, and I, I know we've we've had problems with him in the background in regard to his attitude and and that. And I think it's I think it's a a situation where um, Ronaldo has has had a big influence on him, you know, uh, because he seems to praise him a lot uh, in the media, Garnacho does to Ronaldo. Mm. And, you know, of all the things that are said about Ronaldo these days, and, you know, we, we, know, we know we have our issues with him right now. Um, I think he's been an absolutely huge help to this kid to, to stay grounded, you know. The, the best player in the world, I mean, arguably the best player in the world, um, is telling you to, you know, hey, dude, you haven't made it. You know, you got to be humble and you got to, yeah. you got to make sure that. I just, you know, the Janazai thing always comes into my head because uh, his first two or three games were absolutely amazing. I'm thinking, yeah. oh my god, we have a player here. Yeah, we're two games into this guy's career, um, and they've been very, very impressive. I, I, you know, I, I hope there's a big future for this kid. So yeah. Um, okay. Um, we'll talk about 
my little indulgence. We've got two indulgences, one for Blaine, which we'll come on to in a minute, but one for me. So do I leave now? Or? No, 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 you, no, you, you have you... to suffer through both. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's 10 years to the day um, since my first book was published, technically, because it was the first time I got the book in my hands, and that was Brian Greenoff's autobiography, which I've got in front of me, the, the specific one which Brian signed. And I'm talking to you about it, Dave, because obviously, um, in a weird way, it's just fate how it happened this way. Like it's, it's so strange. You basically got the last um, book that Brian ever signed. Yeah. You know, it was such a strange thing, and it's just it's just weird that you're here. You know, and, and Dan was saying he sent me a message about um, Dan Burdett. For anyone who's listening to this, he's um, a very major person behind the website and podcast. Um, we do mention him wherever we can, but um, because of just the way that Dan is, we don't mention him as often as we maybe should. I had the very, very great indulgence of spending for the first time time with you and him last night, which was brilliant. But Dan was saying a couple of weeks ago, he was saying, it's coming up to 10 years since Brian's book came out, are you going to do anything for it? And I was like, uh, I said, oh, I'll, I'll message you later about it, you know, because it was like a nice thing. He was like saying, maybe just get a get together or something. And I thought it's just that's too, that's too indulgent, even for me. You know, <laughs> I like a little bit of that. But like last night was that, and like today now, it's great talking to you about it. And it was great like posting it because these kids have, you know, these sons have seen it and they're like yeah. talking about it. And it's just crazy to think of, you know, it's ten years since since that, especially with Brian, you know, like yeah. for for that and for us to be sat talking about it, and for it to be that book and literally the first book that he signed. And the last book that he signed, I don't know. It's, it's mad in it, and no, it, it definitely is very, 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 very. Uh, uh, I won't say bizarre, but it's here we are, ten years later. Like you said, I, I, I got his last book, and you know, unfortunately, he passed away pretty soon after that. Um, and you're sitting here with the first book, and ten years later, we're sitting around the table having some beers. And last night we had a great night with Dan, and. You know, good old chats with, with Sammy and yeah, it was that, really, that, really good. That's a weird thing as well because Brian being involved with the website was the first time we had the former players doing the podcast because we the former players were on the website and they would do columns and stuff like Pilks and um, David May was doing stuff back at the start. But the first time we ventured into podcasting, Brian was on it. He was the first person doing that. Okay. And we were doing that every week and then Gordon... Obviously, Brian passed away and, and Gordon came on and that's when you sort of jumped in around that time on yeah. the pods. And it's weird to think of like where it came from that. And I, Brian, I just want to take like a minute out of this day to sort of, first of all, pay tribute to what a great man he was because obviously I'd always had the dream of writing books and Brian was the person who made that come true. And there's probably loads of people listening to this who remember him playing, you know, and yeah. he was a hero for them. He was a man of the match in the 77 Cup final. And mm. um, and obviously his kids' heroes. Because, I mean, imagine your dad being the man of the match in an FA Cup final mm. for Man United. Oh, Scouts busting the treble yeah. and everything like that. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, a quick note to just say how much um, Brian's missed, still beloved by us all, and definitely still remembered um, and responsible for a lot of stuff. Because like you said last night, if it wasn't for Brian, the, all this kind of snowballing wouldn't have happened. I mean, you can see on the front of this book, by Brian Greenoff, forward by Tommy Docherty, introduction by Sammy McElroy, and that was the first time I asked him to do a book. Like, oh, well, will you do one? He was like, maybe one day. 
So one day was finally last year. Yeah. And we were bugging him for that entire time. And yeah, like you said, like last night we were sat with him um, in limb services, Costa Coffee. Mickey Thomas walks Bugs in. in as it well. was such a weird thing. It was it? really, really weird. Yeah, well, Mickey Thomas walked in. That was the most bizarre thing ever. I'm like, well, first of all, yeah, Mickey Thomas did not walk in. Mickey Thomas ran. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he yeah. seems to be. He runs a lot. Um, but yeah, it, and it, it accumulates in, into this date itself. Um, yeah. And there's just so many things. Like we said, you got the first one. Uh, you know, sadly, I got the last one. Um, sitting there with Sammy McElroy. Sammy helped you, you know, do yeah. this for his book. Then you did his book. And then we're sitting there and Mickey Thomas walks in. It's just like, what what the hell is going on here? I mean. Yeah, what? I remember I was still in my day job um, before quitting to, to write full time. And you won't believe this. This is how weird life is. Mickey Thomas was one of the people that gave me an interview for the website before I was doing the podcast with Brian. And it was like that kind of interview it was like half 11 in the morning or something like that but I couldn't get out of the job so I had to say oh can I just borrow an office somewhere and they were like well what do you want it for I said well I'm interviewing a footballer and they were like well who so I said like Mickey Thomas is for my website and they were a bit arsy about it but I mean, it was a big deal for me yeah, you know yeah, and like, yeah. it was so strange but we didn't get to talk to him last night because he was Trying to grab all the Sammy all the time, running around Costa Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we'll move on. Too much self-indulgence for me, but some for Blaine now. Um, Blaine, it's your first time over in England. Um, before I talk about your experience in Manchester, I want to ask to inform the listeners, because this is going to be part of a wider project that me and Dave are working on over the next few months, about people from different cultures in the world and how they experience United Match Days. I want to ask you what your normal match day is like back home when you're watching the United game. Uh, obviously, it's early in the morning, I yeah. would guess. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In most cases, I mean, on the weekend, um, I'm I may be up as early as four thirty in the morning, um, um, and it usually consists of uh, you know a, a, an alarm and then um, right to the couch and fire it up. Um, there's plenty of times too. The, the six a.m. matches that the um, or six or sevens that depending on the because. We do have this weird thing where the where where we can't get our, our time change lined up, so the times flip around. Um, sometimes I'll be watching it on an iPad on, on a on a treadmill or on a you know on a elliptical or something at the gym, or um, uh, you know the later games. Um, there's plenty of opportunities. Uh, we do have plenty of restaurants and bars that uh, we've. Um, uh, you know, set up to where we can go in there uh, either before hours or right when they open and be able to watch matches. Um, and then, of course, during the week, uh, all the European stuff happens right at, at, at lunchtime for me. Yeah. Um, so um, everybody at my company where I work, they're well, they're well aware that if my door's closed and there's, you can hear a little bit of noise. It's like just leave him alone. It's probably <laughs> he's probably watching one of his games or something. So no, that's um, that two-hour meeting that you have on a Thursday between twelve and two. Yeah, my my boss giggles because uh, he's 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 well aware of my um, uh, fandom. He's much more of an American football throwball kind of. Um, guy, but he's you know, his kids play uh, uh, competitive, you know, uh, travel um, uh, leagues back home. So he's he knows about United. He knows how I feel about United. And so he'll see him on my calendar. He'll see like two hour, two and a half hour blocks, and he he doesn't question it. So it, it it is for for me. It's always it's almost always um, you know either on my couch or on my iPad. 
um, or you know my one of my monitors at work. That's 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 what United Football is to me, being on the west coast uh, of the United States. So it's a um, it's a completely different feeling. Like even even today, you know that that I will I wake up. It's on a Saturday. You know we're I'm in we're in Manchester we're in our, our apartment that we rented. I wake up and I'm like who. You know, did I miss the? Did I miss the match? It was a, you know, first games were on. I'm like fumbling trying to find my phone. You know, it's like seven thirty. I'm like, oh my god, I missed. What did I miss? What's happened? And I'm like, oh, first kickoff isn't until three o'clock. I'm like, oh, <laughs> completely different. Okay, slow down. So yeah, I think I think the time difference really impacts um, how um, we on the West Coast uh, um, uh, watch the matches, but. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I wake up with an alarming amount of clarity at four in the morning when, when it's match day. It's, <laughs> it's, it's shocking. I've, I've been through that with Dave before on the West Coast. It's, um, it can be soul destroying. There was one, I remember, was it Mourinho where we lost 3-1 against yeah. City and we had to wake up especially early for that one. It's like... And that, you know, the, the, the benefit that people have over here in, in Europe and the UK is that only only half of their day is ruined, you know, after yeah. the final whistle. Whereas yeah. we're like, six if it's a 4 o'clock, 4 a.m. kickoff and by 6 a.m. your Saturday's done. You don't do anything, you know, all those plans you had is like, no, screw that, I ain't doing anything. Yeah. It takes you four or five hours to get back in there. And sometimes... A lot of times, you know, especially after even, you know, after a win or a loss, your adrenaline's still going. You just can't go back to bed, you know. Right. So so your day starts at 4 a.m. And by 4 p.m., you know, you're, you're done. You're gone. <laughs> uh, a win obviously yeah. helps, um, but a loss. But you got to remember that, you know, in the U.S., if you ask somebody on the West Coast and you ask someone on the East Coast, I'll guarantee you have two different, you know, uh, Two different storylines yeah, because they have that extra three hours, which is which is huge. You know, it's a ten o'clock game. You know, no, I've done it like loads of times. Obviously, being on holiday in Florida, yeah. and um, the, I can remember once when we first went as a family after we went in the nineties, but when you could watch on on stream and everything like that. So the one of the first games I remember watching was the John O'Shea Anfield, and that the was, winner in the end. Yeah, yeah so it was like seven a.m. Um, kickoff it was like the, the midday one and I, I think we must have it was a they were skipping a theme park and I just remember everyone was getting ready and I was going ballistic at like quarter to nine in the morning that's real weird because before I moved to America I used to travel over the east or the west coast you know two or three times a year I was actually in California when that game was on and yeah. I was listening to it on on um like I threw my laptop on like Five Live or BBC Radio or something then yeah. that was like I don't know it was like 6 o'clock in the morning yeah. 5.30 and um, yeah jeez that's mad you were on the east and I was on the west huh? <laughs> um, yeah but Blaine you've been in Manchester now for like 8 or 9 days straight from the plane you went to see United play Sheriff um, stood up falling asleep but we put on a decent show <laughs> yes um, and then obviously there was the West Ham game which you were a little bit more awake for um, tell, tell me your experience of being in Manchester, what it's been like and being around Old Trafford, obviously being down for the tour and everything like that as well. It's It, it really is a, a um, I, I call it like a Mecca experience for me with no disrespect to any, any religious beliefs or anything. But for me, it's, it was it was something that for the last 25, 30 years of my life has more than that. I mean, geez, we're almost 50 years old now. Well, I'm 37. Um, um, so maybe closer to 40 years of my life, this has been something that I've wanted to do. And for whatever reason, I wasn't ever able to get here. Um, and then, uh, you know, we had this opportunity and, um, uh, you know, 
uh, irrespective of what you think of the Qatar World Cup, um, I, I'm thankful for the uh, timing because it allowed a very uh, jam-packed uh, schedule of, of matches to where we were able to see. Um, um, I, I'm going to be able to see three United matches in a in a 12-day period. Um, plus a whole bunch of other stuff that we've done. Um, it, it's phenomenal. And it, it, it really, you don't understand. There's a few things that being someone who has never been to Old Trafford, never been to Manchester, there's a few things you don't understand. You don't understand how congested and small and tight the, the, the whole area, not, ju- not, just old, not just Old Trafford, but the, the area around it. it is, it's phenomenal. Everything's a single lane. And, you know, you know, for me in LA around, you know, SoFi and around Staples Center or Crypto, mm-hmm. we have some of Dodger Stadium. We have some of the biggest, largest, grand, most grandiose, amazing stadiums on the planet. They have cookouts in the parking lot. Oh, <laughs> I've been to I've been, hours before the game. Yeah, I was at all of the World Cup games at the Rose Bowl in 94. Um, you know, the, the Rose Bowl is a phenomenal experience. You know, it's 100, 100, 107,000, I think, for, for football, for a soccer game. Um, yeah, and you're and you're on the golf course parked and can't you, know, you got you got you have to arrive four or five hours early just to get into the the car park and then you set up your tents and your barbecues and then you go watch the the the, the match you come back and you do it again you set it up and start firing up again so you, you know I'm used to this different environment and so for me just everything being smaller tighter more dense is is a huge um, you just you'll never understand that on TV. And you you know you know Old Trafford's big, okay? We know Old Trafford's big. We know it's the biggest uh, football uh, pitch in the country, other than Wembley. Um, we know these things, but until you walk into Old Trafford, you just don't get it. You don't understand, you know, because American stadiums have um, a multitude of of sky boxes of. You know, um, other amenities, bars, you know, areas. It's, it's very, very family orientated in, but in this, the US. Yes. Mm-hmm. Old Trafford is no nonsense. There are four rather small electric scoreboards in each corner, and that's it. It is seats and the game. That's all it is. It's very no nonsense. Mm-hmm. Pack them in. Let's you know, and let's support United. Um, and and that's a there's a charm to that. There's a there's a very um, uh, addictive charm to that, you know. Like it's it's it, it was it was an amazing experience. Do you feel, and I, I guess it's an open goal of question. Do you feel like your relationship with the United's been strengthened and deepened by um, this? With without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, there's 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 no way that I would ever support anything or anyone but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's not it's not a joke. It's it's so much bigger than that, you know. And, Americans are we're, we're we're a fickle bunch. We 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 change our minds. We go different directions. We 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 try different things. Um, but United is contagious, and yeah. um, just yeah. It, it, and now the experience, it's just it's been cemented home. But I, th- I think in, I think in general, from from being on both sides of, of 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 the wall here, you know, now living in the U.S. and going to a lot of sports games, and here, it's it's a different experience in in America, and and for me with a family. Um, I'd happily take you know my family to a game there. Um, I wouldn't happily take all my family to a game here because it's it's a very different experience. It's 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 very serious here in the U.S. It's like as Brian said, it's art. It's it's basically shifted to make everyone welcome. We got all the fancy stuff. We got all the mascots and all that. But here, it's it's just it. I think there's a there's a different passion for football in this country than there is for any other sport yeah. on the planet. 
Yeah, I, I'll, I'm hearing you, Dave, but also hearing judgment for the fact you're saying you wouldn't take your family, but you're saying I took my eight year old nephew there. Although, to be fair, he was the most rowdy of the lot. When we got yeah, there. he learned a few chants, he learned a few chants, and that's the beauty of it, is that, that here, you, you know, <laughs> he did, it, it is. You. It is very different, you know, like I said, I go to a Niners game a couple of times a season, I can take my family there, and it's a yeah. very different family experience. You know, even, even you know, United against Southampton here, which wouldn't be really a rival game, I'd still have, I'd have second thoughts about bringing my whole family there as a family day out, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's very, yeah. very different. Of course. Um, yeah. And I think that's the, that's the biggest difference that I can say is that, you know, here it's it, it, football in, in, in Europe and in general in, in the UK it, and in Scotland, and it's, it's a religion, it really is. I know Blaine you want to jump in and say something I just, no, want, to, I just want to ask this then Dave so you've been on Old Trafford longer than what I have and obviously you've had a long sabbatical in between you've gone to America um, I know that you've come back the odd time I just we I just find it interesting because I know that Blaine, you, the way that you were talking Blaine it's almost like you t- you were speaking first from the aspect of someone who's who's not been to United and you've got a different relationship and obviously you've come and had a different you know, an experience which has enhanced and deepened, strengthened that bond with United. I, I'm interested because obviously you were bringing playing over and I know that you and I see differently on this. Like Some of our best experiences are seeing people from overseas come to the game. Like We met with loads of friends who've never been to a game before. You've now brought one over and, and then you see them and and you spend time with them and they get to experience it for the first time. And I'm not, not necessarily seeing it through their eyes, but the way that we don't really have any judgment about it. So what I'm trying to say is that people listening to us who might not have been to Old Trafford, I kind of want them to see it through Blaine's eyes rather than ours. Yeah. To, to kind of say, you know, it's not necessarily about us saying you don't have a connection with United. Although no, no, you say it's not no, special. No, it is no, special. It it's is. just... It is just a, a matter of fact of when you're in that arena, that's why you, when Blaine call it a, a mecca, that's why you make the pilgrimage, right? For that yeah. connection. No, 100%. I mean, it, the biggest plus for me was, um, you know, when we walked up the steps first and he seen it and then, we, you know, we got to our seat, he probably didn't talk for 20 minutes. So that was a big bonus for me. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to do a lot of firsts with him, you know, yeah. going forward. Um, but, I, you know, I will be honest, I was watching and observing him at times and I could see he was trying to take it in. And I, I would think back to, you know, my first time going to Old Trafford and, and it was pretty much identical. You're kind of speechless. You're kind of like, OK, I've seen this on TV all the time. But as he said, when you when you get there, it's it there's just a different level of of uh, um, excitement and and awe. I think at that point, and that's what I could see with him. He wasn't saying a lot; he was just looking around. And, and I actually thought at one point, well, you know, was he enjoying himself? Has he got jet lag? But then I just realised I think he's just trying to he's just trying to you know fathom what's take happening here, yeah. take it in. That I've talked about this for so many years. Now I'm doing it. Now I'm here. And I would encourage uh, uh, anyone that hasn't been to Old Trafford to take it. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that the people that support Manchester United, even as, as near as Ireland and, and, in, and in Europe, that have never been to Old Trafford. It doesn't make them any less. This just gives them a different experience of following Manchester United. Exactly. And, and I guess part of the thing that we want to do with a podcast going forward, when we talk to people from different areas, it's not necessarily having been to United. It is about that match day experience. Yes. What, what are you... Yeah. Um, experiencing what is it like for you what's your connection with the club like because we're not devaluing it we want to know we want to bring you in and sort of it's, talk it's, it's tough to get up at 4.30 in the morning yeah, yeah. week after week watching Louis Van Hall and you know and then you know watching Moyes Van Hall 
Mourinho, the, the latter stages of Bali. I mean, yeah. it, it tests your, it tests your your loyalty when you're getting them. When you're sitting, you know, you've worked all week and you're setting that alarm clock when you're going to bed on a Friday evening at 10, yeah. 11 o'clock for you know three forty five, and then you're doing it the following week and then the following week, and it it, it, it tests your loyalty. It really does. There's times when you're like, why am I even? Why am I do? Am I insane? But, but yes. we are. I mean, but so. we, yeah, but I think you do it exactly. Yeah. Oh, I do it every week. Um, let's move on. Mo. Talk about Aston Villa. Um, we're playing Aston Villa tomorrow um, or today if you're listening to it. Unai Emery, the new manager. We missed the chance, Devo, to, to... I mean, this is the thing that... Well, I mean, we talked about it on Monday's pod with Paul Parker. Steven Gerrard, we got him in like one of his first games. Maybe it wasn't his first, was it? One of his first. And they came, games, they yeah. came back from 2-0 down and they drew. They, they broke Coutinho on. They, they were giving it all the big one. Coutinho is going to be brilliant in the Premier League. He has not been brilliant. In not spot. at all. He no, has Gerrard, to be no. honest. <laughs> well, Gerrard's <laughs> not there anymore. Yeah. And that brings me on to the point where... He, the return game at Old Trafford, he was giving it the big one to um, to, to, to Stratford yeah. End and everything like that, blah, blah, blah. And, and he's been sacked. We're not going to get that reunion. Unai Emery, we've definitely had one or two run-ins with him in the past. Um, and yeah. generally not good. He's He's got a good Indian, um, what's the Indian mark over United. He's... Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 six of one half a dozen of another to be honest because with Gerard I think he would have he would have roiled that whole team up you know and there was that connection there and I think Villa Park would have been bouncing with him there just for that you know Liverpool United connection and him to get another one over on us, uh, but with Emery I mean he's he he does have that black mark over us as well. Um, the only thing I will say is that you know Ten Hag is he's no slouch you know he really is and he'll have done his work on 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 yeah. his previous teams and he even he even mentioned it in his press conference that now that I'm dealing you know I'm, I'm I've been thinking about how I'm going to play Villa and now all of a sudden I have a new manager to 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 uh, work against or to contemplate and 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 I I, I kind of smiled when he said that because I'm thinking okay this is a guy that just he he overthinks 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 over prepares. Um, Will they have the the new manager bounce? I don't know because they they he was announced about what a week ago. I think they played since then as well. Um, it, it's a little different than when a manager comes right in after someone else got sacked. Uh, so t- t- I, I don't think there's a for me there's not a massive difference between whether it was Gerard or this guy. So um, I, I think it's going to be tough. It always is at Villa Park. Uh, but I, I I like I like the way we play away from home. Um, obviously we won't have Bruno Fernandez. He's suspended. Uh, there's, there's that decision to be made Van der Beek didn't really pull up any trees the other night mm. uh, you know we, we spoke about Alanga did, didn't look disinterested against West Ham does he go with Garnaccio again or does he think that two games in like four days or three days is too much for him uh, I personally didn't believe no I think we should throw him in there if he's on that form and then what does he do up front you know does he go with Ronaldo does he go with you know does he go with Rashford does he is I mean, I didn't hear the press conference today. I'm not sure whether Anthony and Sancho or Martial... I think Martial is trained. Um, so does he throw him in? Uh, there's a lot of big decisions to be made. And then you've got to go in against a manager that's brand new at home in his very first game. It's going to be it's going to be a difficult game. It, it is, but I, I guess the, the good thing is about coming up against Unai Emery this early on, Blaine, is that the difficulty of facing him is when he's got a team that he's familiar with and he's got them oiled to his master plan it's probably the best time to face him away from home yeah I think I think we this is probably the um, the, the best scenario we didn't get him on that first game where you get the first game bounce okay we're getting him um, 
um, away from Old Trafford, where I think our players are a little bit more relaxed, and I think they play. I think we. I think our away form over the last four or five years has proven that that being away from Trafford is is easier for the players a little bit. I just think that, and I, and and, and I, I believe that Ten Hag is he's a he's a. I don't want to say master tactician, but I think he understands and he, he's, you know, some of the things, the decisions that he's made um, in recent games that kind of flummox us a little bit um, might be, you know, because he has to send some things out. He has to try to figure things out. You know, he knew that he knew that uh, Fernandez wasn't going to be playing in this match. And maybe the Van, the Van de Beek was like, hey, is he ready? Is he ready? Okay, he's not ready now. What you know? But um, um, I, I do kind of feel like uh, Ten Hag is a, you know a, a chess player right now with one arm behind his back and only fourteen uh, chips on the board. But because uh, we are we are we do have some holes. We do have some injuries. You know, with with um, Varane is injured. That's 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 big. Without a, a, a formidable striker up front to 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 compete with Ronaldo. And, well, I mean, you've got to give Harry Kane a bit of time. I mean, he's only... Uh, <laughs> Harry Kane, sorry, Harry Maguire. Maguire. Harry, Harry Kane all the time in the world. I met him the other day. But you got to give Harry Maguire a bit no, of time. He only yeah, played yeah, him yeah, once. Yeah, you, 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 you do. But And, I, and I, I think we're going to see a McFred midfield. Um, I don't know that... I, I think it's, you know, the... Um, it's They know each other. They're They're... They're going to be a little bit more solid uh, or w- w- working together. Um, I think that's probably what we're going to see. But I honestly believe that that the 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 Unai the Emery curse or um, the the new manager bounce. I don't think they're going to come into play. And and I, I think United are going to play well going uh, going into, into and and knowing that you do get to play them again at home in a few days. Um, I really believe that that. This is the game they're focusing on. The three points in league. Oh, 100%. Is yeah. where the focus is, and I and, and um, I, I don't I don't I don't think any of the overthinking that 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 we always do, <laughs> United 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 followers do is is going to come into play here. I just don't. Well, I mean, it's, it's a good thing you brought up the game. That's not like three days later because you know. Full. Uh, oh, it's on. Is it on Wednesday? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. We we've been starved of trophies. We all know that, mm-hmm. you know. So so we have to take that game serious as well. I mean, a league cup at the end of the day is a league cup. Well, because like, there's only two games after this one, so you've got to play the first team in all three games. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, and a trophy be, is a trophy at the end of the day. To be fair, he's done that through all even with through, the Europa. Yeah, yeah he's not yeah. taking any game lightly. Um, just before we go, Devo, throwing it on you very quickly. Your best. Um, your favourite memory in the Premier League from Villa Park I'm going to give you some that I can think of off the top of my head the 2-1 with Lee Sharp in 93 the humdinger with Ron Atkinson can't with anything with kids <laughs> when we lost yeah exactly you know, know, know. there's probably there's probably some more that people are going to say because I did this with the West Ham game last week um, but then the other one I, w- I was thinking um the Paul Scholes, the three nil where Scholes scores in off the bar with the with the ball. Oh, no. Um so so the Lee Sharp one was that the was that the one where he did the Elvis thing in a corner flag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He's, um, he's so, the black kid for the first time. I correct, think, yeah. yeah. The view cam, yeah. No, yeah. for me that would probably be it because you know, put me on a spot like that. I do remember that game. It was it was a night game, correct? Yeah. I believe it was. Um and yeah, I just come home from uh, uh, playing football. And the game was on, and and I think were we were we losing? I think no, we, we were winning the equalised. 
Oh, okay, that's what it was, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would go with that one. But, you know, we obviously can't uh, uh, um, just uh, not talk about the whole you never win anything with kids because as, as, a, as a club... That well, was Blaine the, did earlier. He brought, he dropped it in. I nice did. bread crumb in for us. Oh, yeah, <laughs> leading me on to that. Um, <laughs> I got the text. That I was. Text uh, I knew. I knew to lead you into that. <laughs> that was um, obviously a huge part of our history. You know that that just that moment by Alan Hansen, um, and I met him actually in an airport in San Francisco, uh, probably about ten years. It was the most bizarre thing ever. There was I was picking my brother up and and he came out with Shevchenko and they were going to some oh, yeah, maybe they were going to some like that. golf tournament yeah. and I and I, and I um <laughs> I, I I wanted to get a picture with Shevchenko and Alan Hansen's buddy was like, you know, oh he's the guy you really want to get, you know, your yeah. picture with and I'm like, yeah, you fucking not. not a chance buddy. <laughs> and he was grumpy and all but he probably still hadn't got over that. But I would you know to answer your question, Lee Sharp, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. I can see why the Anson story came in. <laughs> That's just like, I've met Alan Anson. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't really. He was grumpy. While I met Shevchenko and I was kind of happy with that. But that's like the last minute, the Fergie time edition, because I said there was an indulgence for me and Blaine earlier. And you're like, oh, I need my personal story. Yeah, I want to get... Oh, yeah. Um, all right. He'll probably clip that out. But, yeah. <laughs> I will I'll again. Um, I once met... Beep. Thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> yeah, I won't even get that. I won't. <laughs> no, it's going in, unfortunately, because I don't have time to edit. It's going straight up. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please give us a subscription on, on the audio platform you're listening on and give us a review on the platform as well. We'll be back soon. Um, I'm not on Monday morning with Paul Parker. He's um, got better things to do. <laughs> he, he would always have better things, <laughs> you would think. But um, sometimes he doesn't. And this week he does. So I'll be back soon um, to talk about the, the Villa result. Um, until then, stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.